Welcome to the November 14th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast. We cover the biggest stories of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day. This is your host, Space Marine, live from Earth orbit, watching the nuclear Bitcoin war taking place from space. It looks very bad down there. Jumping right into that, the market analysis. Yeah, something happened. So I've been saying over and over, there's this really solid support level of 5,800. I guess even the most solid support levels can be broken. There's, I guess there's no such thing as a support level that can't be broken. So that's what happened. Bitcoin was sitting at 6,300, like zooming out into the longer term chart. Bitcoin was actually slowly declining. It was around 6,800, 6,700, even 6,600 in late September. Throughout October, it was fluctuating around. It went as low as 6,200 in the middle of October. And then it was around 6,400. And then 6,300. It started declining about five days ago. It went from like 6,400 to 6,300 slowly over the course of a few days. But then boom, the nukes went off all at once. Major nuclear bombs in the crypto space. Metaphorically, no nuclear bombs actually went off. But yeah, it declined all at once from around 6300 to 5600 and then it chaotically kept declining all the way to 5300 and it bounced back a little bit this was this show is being recorded very early on the 15th so this recaps the entire day of the 14th which was a very critical day in the crypto space in a bad way so yeah bitcoin went down to 5300 and then it rose back up a bit there was a bit of a they called it dead cat bounce i believe it went back up to 5,600, 5,700, and then on the earliest morning, on the earliest part of the morning of the 15th, at least here in the United States, it dropped again from about 5,600 to 5,350 or so, and right now it's around 5,400, but slightly less than that. It was trying to get above 5,400, but now it's dropped below that again, so it, I'll say it's around 5,400, though, on average, and yeah, it's not the only crypto that's dropped. And just to highlight Bitfinex real quick, so Bitfinex is more than $200 higher than Bitstamp and Coinbase, and now since Bitcoin's sitting more towards 5000 than 6000 we're talking like 3 or 4% premium on Bitfinex, probably 3%. So Bitstamp is starting to have like half the volume of Bitfinex, it's getting there. So Bitstamp is gaining volume while Bitfinex is, well, it might not be losing volume, but Bitstamp is gaining on... Bitfinex's volume relatively. Well, let's not focus too much on that today. And by the way, Tether crashed too when this all happened. And Tether's at like 97.5 cents. It's probably much lower in Kraken. Kraken's where the Tether's actually redeemed for fiat. So, looking at the rest of the market, a lot of this might have been caused by Bitcoin Cash. The Bitcoin Cash fork is November 15th. So... That's going to be a very critical moment for the crypto space. And even though it's called a Bitcoin Cash Fork, where we have Bitcoin Satoshi version from Craig Wright and then Bitcoin Cash ABC from the Benevolent Dictator or whatever, it's still a fork of the Bitcoin community because Bitcoin Cash was a fork of the Bitcoin community. And now it, the community is schisming over this again. And someone might have dumped a bunch of Bitcoins out of fear. Or maybe they dumped a bunch of Bitcoins to buy like whatever version of Bitcoin Cash they want. 
but it's obviously related. It's like the very day of the fork, and now we're seeing a massive price move that has shocked the support level. Craig Wright posted on Twitter that all the Bitcoin cash miners were going to be selling their Bitcoins, and that's going to like massively impact the market. And I think he posted that when the drop was already occurring, but it was very sinister the way it was posted. So, yeah, we we don't usually talk about Bitcoin with cash on BitcoinNews.com, but it's very obvious this is actually a critical element of what's going on today. The Bitcoin Cash fork probably caused this huge market downturn. And Ethereum is down to $175. So it's not just the Bitcoin part of the space. And by the way, Bitcoin is a king over the space. And whenever Bitcoin goes down... Other ones go down too. By the way, Bitcoin's market cap's at like 95.7 billion. It's dropped below that 100 billion mark. The overall cryptocurrency market cap's near 181 billion right now. It's been fluctuating wildly, but it lost like 20, 30 billion dollars in market cap in the past day. So that's pretty intense stuff. That's like, well, it's over 10% of the market cap, 15%. Ripple is at 45 cents. So Ripple went down like 10%, but it's not in like that bad of a position considering it went up so much. I think it was around like 25 cents not that long ago, like a month or two ago, probably a month ago. Stellar continues to be in fifth place, but yeah, it went down 10%. In fact, all the top coins are down like 10% or more. Litecoin's down to $42. Monero's down to $87. So there's massive losses across the board. I don't see anything that's up. Well, let's try to look for something that went up today. So I'm going to look at the biggest winners and the biggest losers. The biggest winner is NASDAQ coin. I saw that yesterday. It looks like a nice little pump. And there's not a dump yet. So NASDAQ coin was a smaller cap crypto. It went up like 400%. Now it's only up 300% in the past day. That's just because time has moved on. But it really went up 400% in a day when this all happened. So somehow NASDAQ coin benefited while the rest of the market collapsed. But the increase in NASDAQ coin's market cap is nothing like the losses in the market caps of the other coins. So it doesn't represent like a transfer over to the NASDAQ coin. And then there's only a few other coins that went up, literally. Like Insight Chain is up 2%. USD coin, which is just a stable coin. And Paxos Standard went up a bit because Tether went down. So there's only two legit cryptocurrencies that went up out of 2,000. Now let's look at the biggest losers. And the biggest losers aren't like crazy numbers compared to like the major cryptocurrencies. IOST is down 27%. ARK is down 23%. Hypercash down 22%. Ravencoin down 22%. And I'm not going to read all of these, but like basically regular major cryptos are down like 15%. So it's not like that different than the rest of the market, the biggest losers versus everyone else. Basically today, all the cryptos were the biggest loser. And today on the November 15th, remember this is recorded on the very earliest part of the 15th. The sun has not risen yet in the United States at all. So I think today is going to be like a really insane day in the crypto space with that fork happening. Craig Wright, who's one of the top developers, regardless of people like him or not, he claims to be Satoshi. He's not Satoshi, but he definitely has knowledge comparable to Satoshi, believe it or not. And I'm not going to say he has the exact knowledge of Satoshi, but it's comparable and... He's one of the top developers. He probably mined like a million Bitcoins because he's one of the earliest Bitcoin miners. And yeah, so Craig Wright versus all the other Bitcoin Cash people. And it's a big war and they're about to just split off today. It's happening today. So it's going to be a really crazy day in the crypto space. Probably exciting, actually. And a positive spin on this is the lower Bitcoin's price is, the easier it is for people to get into the game. So yeah, it dropped $1,000 and that hurt all the investors and holders. But the small people, 
the normal people could buy Bitcoin at a better price now. And that's one thing I was thinking of. Everyone's wanting institutional investments when Bitcoin's price goes up and they're trading it like a commodity. It's a currency, and when people start hoarding it for institutional investment purposes, it's actually not good for the space. So the more Bitcoin's price drops, believe it or not, is actually better for the liquidity and fluidity of Bitcoin being used as a currency. I'm not going to get too much into that, but yeah, the lower the price goes, now you can buy all these tokens at a much cheaper price, and I'm not going to say, like, hopefully it goes down more, but since I only have $10 of Bitcoin, it would be nice if it went down more, and then I could store up some Bitcoin, because I know it's going to go back up to 20000 in the future. So it would be nice if it dropped to 1000 for me, because then I can buy it at 1000 and it'll go back up to 20000 and I'll get in on the action. And by the way, bear markets last a long time. Like, I started in the 2014 bear market, and it lasted, like, forever. I I operated an entire business during the bear market and never saw the other side of the bear market, even though I was working for years. And sometimes bear markets, like, they'll be steady for a while, but then it'll drop lower than you can imagine, like right now. And this isn't lower than we can imagine, but it might just keep dropping. And this is part of the bear market. When Bitcoin bear markets happen, it, it, the rally doesn't just come. Like, a lot of these so-called experts... I'm not going to say they're not experts. Like, they were saying, oh, Bitcoin's going to rally and like you know, by the end of 2018. Okay, it's definitely going to rally in 2019. Here's the fact. It doesn't have to rally in 2019 at all. But it will rally eventually back up to 20,000 and then way beyond. But the bear markets last a long time. It takes a real shift in the industry to get rid of the bear market. And what we've been seeing actually is a tightening of regulations across the board. So since the regulations have been tightening, and that's actually what's driven the market down in the first place, I don't think we're going to see the bear market go away until basically the whole scene changes. And that might take another year or two. We might have to see some sort of new mechanism for Bitcoin's use or a new paradigm shift in the industry and how regulations work to become more lax. Well, I'm getting too much into speculation here. I really don't know. And that's the fact. So, I'm just saying that, hey, if everything's like steady as it is, there's no reason why a rally would occur either. It's not just going to happen overnight. And actually, if a rally occurs from institutional investment, you could expect big dumps like this in the future. The more institutional investment and more people, more big whales holding Bitcoin, the more likely it is to get a big dump like this. That's not to say institutional investment's totally bad. Some people just want to buy Bitcoin and watch the price go up from other people buying Bitcoin. It's really supposed to be a currency. Satoshi did not define this to be an, design this to be an investment. Now for our first story of the day. And yeah, most of the show's just going to be that market analysis because it's a really volatile and one of the most wild markets we've seen in Bitcoin in like a long time, probably months. But so yeah, the first story. XRP security class action lawsuit has moved to federal court. So there's a class action lawsuit against Ripple, actually, over whether XRP is a security. And this was originally in the San Mateo Superior Court, and it transferred to the U.S. District Court of the Northern District of California, so it went from local to federal court. And Ripple's lawyers actually motioned for this move since they might actually stand a better chance of winning the case. And uh, Jake Chervinsky, which is, like, a really good crypto lawyer, and he's he posts on Twitter, and he often his tweets become, like, mainstream crypto news, so he gave multiple reasons why this is a good and brilliant move. And first off, I just want to read what Ripple's lawyers say. Plaintiffs do not allege that they lacked information about the nature of these transactions. 
Nevertheless, plaintiffs claim that they were somehow injured because the defendants were allegedly required to register XRP as a security with the Securities Exchange Commission, but failed to do so. So there's a bunch of investors in Ripple, and this probably stems from Ripple being like a few dollars before it started crashing. So people bought Ripple, and then they lost money investing. Well, they bought XRP, they lost money investing in it, and now they're trying to sue Ripple for it because they know what Ripple has money, and they think, oh... They didn't file for their security license. We could have sued them for that and say that somehow caused damage. So they don't really have a clear line of um, how did that cause damage? Because I don't think the SEC actually attacked XRP as far as I know. So I there's like a lack of clear uh, causation here. But regardless of that, Ripple's actually getting bold and they're trying to like get the court to declare that XRP is not a security. And they brought it to federal court now. So if they actually get that judgment that XRP is not a security... That's going to be like a federal decision. So it would have to be... Only a higher court, like the Supreme Court, could overturn that. But yeah, like if a federal court declares it, and the SEC's like hands are tied in making XRP a security. So they actually hired a former SEC director of enforcement and SEC chairman on their legal team. So they hired like people that worked at the SEC like really deeply that were control the SEC onto their legal team. So they're aiming for that. And then aside from that, uh, federal decision possibility, and also not to mention, by the way, the other side, like if they lose and XRP is declared a security by the court, that's not going to be good for Ripple at all. They're going to be in some troubles because then they have to register and then the SEC is probably going to be like, okay, we got this court decision and now we can like sue Ripple and take a bunch of money. That's been the SEC's uh, MO, modus operandi. They've been... Yeah, they've been, like, suing companies that don't register as a uh, securities exchanger or get the license or, for securities and taking, like, all their money. And hopefully Ripple's not the next one to a country that. That'd be, like, the biggest SEC enforcement ever. But I don't see any signs of that. But we have this class action lawsuit asking for $167.7 million in damages. By the way, keep in mind Ripple's market cap is way, way beyond that. Like, billions of dollars, and they actually control most of the XRP. So they could pay the damages for this and have been silent, but they're trying to bring it to a federal level because maybe they're confident they're going to win. And then Jake Stravinsky brings up some points besides this. He says that in federal court, uh, the federal judges are more favorable towards corporate defendants than in local courts. The lawyers in federal court may have more experience. And plaintiffs, which is Ripple's, entitled to less discovery. And the class action procedures, and this is a class action lawsuit, is more favorable. And by the way, it moved to federal court because it was a class action lawsuit, but there was like, so much money involved, and some of the people were not in the state of California, that it had to be moved to federal court, like technically, and then Ripple made it happen. Now for our final story of the day. On a more positive note, uh, the friendliest crypto exchange in New Zealand, supposedly CoinGrid, they're launching an initial coin offering, and this is the first initial coin offering in New Zealand. So unlike the United States, where initial coin offerings are ending up in like huge fines from the Securities and Exchange Commission, New Zealand's just starting up. They never did it before. They kind of missed that huge wave, but maybe they'll start the next little wave, like a little ripple. Not to make a point on ripple, but yeah, they're, they're trying to start their first ICO, and... I guess it's an ICO for their exchange to raise money because all the New Zealand exchanges are very small. The biggest one I know is Cryptopia, which actually started as like a faucet chat where people would like tip each other. And then they turned into a major exchange because of like the order of magnitude price increase of cryptocurrency. And it's still an order of magnitude. Even at like $5,000, that's like, it used to be like $200. So it's like over an order of magnitude. So I'm talking about Bitcoin's price. And all the cryptos seem to follow Bitcoin's lead. 
And so the regulations aren't clear in New Zealand on ICOs, and maybe that just means there's no regulations, and that's a good thing. Since this is the first ICO in New Zealand, I think it will be successful, and it seems like they're only asking for $3 million, US dollars. So it's the first uh, ICO that's going to be in New Zealand dollars, I guess. Well, not really. Like ICOs are always like in cryptocurrency, but New Zealanders are like, wow, this is our first ICO. You know, this company's legit and friendly, and they're probably going to succeed, and then other... The other little exchanges in New Zealand might do ICOs, then we might see ICO projects. So this is actually a positive thing in New Zealand. So as the whole crypto space is having a bloodbath, New Zealand's like trying to advance and move along. And by the way, just on a final note regarding this market bloodbath, even if it goes down like another thousand dollars today because of the Bitcoin cash fork, we'll see what happens. Who knows what's gonna happen? This is like a very volatile, nonlinear situation. The space will keep moving. Even if Bitcoin was at $1, all these companies that are using Bitcoin as a currency, they will still use it. The price of Bitcoin does not change its attributes of being secure, immutable, instant to send across the world, and low fees. So, yeah, Bitcoin's price doesn't... Like, the values of Bitcoin, the characteristics that make Bitcoin a positive thing do not depend on its price, even if it was $1. One cent would be pushing it, but if it was like one dollar or ten dollars per Bitcoin, that's not going to happen. But I'm just saying, people fixate on the price too much, and I think Bitcoin's just as healthy today as it was yesterday before this price crash. The price of Bitcoin has nothing to do with its health. The network is bigger than ever. There's more miners than ever. There's more companies than ever. More users than ever. So that's all we have for you today. On this November 14th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com Daily Podcast. Come back tomorrow for another probably very exciting and interesting and critical episode where we talk about what happened on the fourth day for Bitcoin Cash. At least what happened to the rest of the market. That's what we'll talk about. And go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency news. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. Going to continue watching this nuclear crypto war from orbit, not coming back down to Earth till it's over. Adios, amigos.